Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to Dear Writer. Today we are recording episode 138, which is another one of our author spotlight episodes. And we have Mark Love with us today to talk about his books. So welcome, Mark. Well, thank you very much. And congratulations on 130 some episodes. That's fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a long time um, that we've been recording now, it feels like. I look back and I'm like, oh, it's several years that we're running now. But yeah, thank you. So Mark Love is a mystery romance writer based in Michigan. He has released a number of books in his two ongoing series, The Jamie Richmond Mysteries and The Jefferson Sheen Mysteries. Is that right? Yes, Jefferson Shane. Shane. Jefferson Shane. I was almost there. You were very close. Outside of his writing, Mark leads a very busy work life. In addition to his career in business, he was once a freelance reporter at a local suburban newspaper. He is also a professor at his local college and has facilitated writing groups with those who enjoy writing as much as he does. So great to have you on the show, Mark, and I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, a little bit about your writing journey and about uh, your mystery series. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you. So how we like to get started with these episodes is if you would tell us a little bit about how you first began writing and when you decided to pursue it more seriously and began thinking about getting your books published. Well, I was always been a very avid reader and I was drawn to mysteries and thrillers for years. And when I was in college, I took a creative writing course and I thoroughly enjoyed that and the professors that was teaching it kept encouraging me to get serious about getting some of my work published and he recommended I start out with short stories before trying to dive in with a novel and so I did that for a couple of years Uh, but this was at the same time that I was working full-time and I was raising a family and whatnot so I was a little busy and the ideas kept coming up for a full-blown novel and it was a, a fellow student who read a couple of my short stories and then she challenged me to write something bigger and it was like well okay I'll give it a shot and see so I actually started working on a, a full-length novel I did a lot of research and, and I got it done and I thought okay now that I got it and I had some friends read it and I got some very good feedback then the question was all right now what am I going to do with it So I started looking for different publishing houses. And here in this this area, there's a operation called Writer's Digest. And it provides a huge catalog of different services and also a list of agents and publishers and even magazine publishers that you could consider submitting to. So when I got serious, and it was about 14 years ago when I was really getting the urge to do it more often. By then, my kids were grown. I had a little more free time. And so I started working on it that way. And I was fortunate to find one publisher that was very interested in the first books that I had written, which was in the Jamie Richmond 
mystery series. Um, these books contain not just a mystery, but a, a little bit of romance, because one of my good friends that was reading the books kind of highly encouraged me that since my last name is Love, and that really is my name, that <laughs> I should include a little romance in my stories. So I tried to explain to her that I'm a guy and I know very little about romance, but she didn't believe me. Uh, so that worked out very well. And we started with the Jamie series. And at the same time, I really wanted to do a, a story along the lines of like from the perspective of a squad of police detectives. And that's when I started working on the other series, the Jefferson Shane Mysteries. Uh, and all of my books take place in the Metro Detroit area, which is where I'm originally from. So uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, I'm now on to, I guess it would be my third and fourth publishers because the original two that I had for the two different series, uh, they're no longer in business, but I was able to retain the rights and find two new homes for them. And that's been working out very well. I love that you were encouraged by a fellow uh, student. I find like, you know, fellow writers are always the best form of encouragement to make you get things done. It's not necessarily, you know, your, your lecturer or your professor or even yourself. It's often the other writers are like, you know, you should really do this. And you're like, you're right. You're really right. I should. Yes. So I like that. Yeah, that was that was really the encouragement that I was looking for, and and the the confirmation that my stories were actually entertaining, and she was surprised with a couple of the twists that I put into the book. So, so I gather you are a very busy, busy man. I was just wondering how you managed to juggle or actually fit in writing, because it sounds like you do quite a lot. Um, fit in writing with all of your work and life challenges, and you know engagements that you have? Well, it, it's definitely a challenge at times, but one of the things that some people look at me when I admit this and they think I'm a little crazy is I can be working on a story idea or on dialogue or something or a particular scene while I'm mowing the lawn or while I'm exercising or driving a distance or something like that. And so I'll work on it in my head and then when I have the opportunity to sit down at the computer or sit down with a, a legal pad or a notebook or something, I'll jot down more of that information so right. I can retain that idea. And then when I'm at the computer, it just sort of flows. It comes out much better for me that way. I had a very vivid image of you talking to your lawnmower as you're mowing the lawn. So hopefully <laughs> that's what happens because um, that's what happened I, I in my mind. <laughs> I have a stories along those lines. Uh, many years ago, uh, I used to carry a small cassette recorder, a little micro recorder with me. And I was working on some dialogue while I was in the car. And it was a beautiful summer day and the windows were down. And I'm not paying attention. I'm, I'm having this conversation and I'm switching between two different voices. So one's a little gruffer and one's a little lighter, you know. And I stopped at an intersection at a red light. 
And I happened to realize there was a car that had pulled up alongside of me. And there was a lady that was staring at me <laughs> because you could hear these two different voices coming from my car. And this was before Bluetooth speakers or anything else. And and I, I realized what was going on. And I held it up. I said, oh, I'm rehearsing for a play. And she said, oh, that's nice. And she drove right through the red light to get away from me. And I thought, <laughs> better stop doing that. But she must have thought it was believable. So. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that story. <laughs> that is very funny. She's going to be like, who is this person talking like two different voices? <laughs> like... Stop. No, keep going. I don't want to. You know. <laughs> so what is your writing process like? Are you more of a plotter or pantser or somewhere in between? It sounds like from your description that you tend to plot a little bit more if you plan out your ideas kind of while you're I may plot out the ideas or the scenes, but I, I can't plot out the entire, I don't use an outline. I can't plot out my whole book. Yeah. I went to Catholic schools and I think it was the nuns that chased that out of me because I, I've always been more along the lines of using the creative process. And when I write, I will start with the main characters and the germ of an idea, what the story's going to be about. And then a friend says, I just run along and write down the incident report. I follow what the characters are doing. And then I go back later on and put it all into pieces where it will fit. So I'm definitely mm -hmm. a pantser. Uh, and it's just, it's a system that seems to work well for me. So That's quite interesting because we've had quite a few people who have, you know, done creative writing courses and things. And a lot of them tend to fall into the plotting category so it's quite interesting that you fall in the other way into more of the yeah. pantsing side of things yeah it just I tried a couple of times to put together a complete outline as to like this would be chapter one and chapter two and chapter three and when I was writing that I had a very difficult time with it and then when I went back and was reading what I'd written I was bored and I mm -hmm. thought if I'm bored, nobody's going to want to read this and, and yeah. I want to do something that's more engaging. So mm -hmm. I tried the other approach and that seems to work very well for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard that like some people find the outlines feel a bit constrictive and that like, you know, then you're stuck in this kind of like getting from point to point and it doesn't have as much life. So I think it just depends on the way you write. Uh, very true. Very true. Yeah. I, I think everyone has to find what method works best for them. I, I know some very good writers that will sit there and completely outline the story and then even take little three by five cards or, or bigger and they will write out dialogue and serious descriptions is what's going on before they sit down and try and write it on the computer. But you, you have to figure out what works best for you. Absolutely. So you've briefly touched a little bit on your publishing journey, which sounds like it was a little bit of a roller coaster with some of your publishers uh, going out of business. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit more. Well, it was a challenge uh, to find, uh, of course, the first few that I uh, queried were not interested. And then I was fortunate to find two different ones. And 
Uh, it was a lengthy process. You submit the query letter in the first 10 pages or the first chapter or whatever and went back and forth. And fortunately, now it's so much easier to do this all electronically as opposed to the olden days <laughs> when you would put it in the actual postal service and send it out and then anxiously wait for months to get a response. Yeah. Uh, so it's much better this way. Uh, and I was pleased with one of those two houses with the efforts that they did to work with me when they did accept the first manuscript to work with me with a good editor and an artist to help work on the cover and come up with a good package. So that was eye catching and it was really a nice journey. The other publisher, I didn't have that kind of support and there was no effort done in editing and the cover for the first book I was not at all happy with, but they said, well, this is what we're going to do. So you're stuck with it, which was disappointing. Mm -hmm. And when that house went out of business, I must admit that I wasn't broken up. I was glad <laughs> to get it back. And, and fortunately, when I took that series to the current publisher, which is the Wild Rose Press, I had a very good rapport with the editor. We worked out some things and I can't tell you how many times I will revise or review a manuscript that I've written and I'll have some beta readers look at it and get some feedback and clean up a few errors. And then in the third or the fourth round, when I'm working with the editor, I'm like, seriously, you, I missed this. You guys missed this. <laughs> uh, at one point in a recent book, my main character, Jefferson Shane, walks up to a house and he's describing it as white with green shutters by the windows. But I had typed out S-H-U-D-D-E-R-S. <laughs> house is shaking. I'm like, this has gone through four versions of edits and nobody caught this? That's amazing. I, I just you shake your head. But this house has been much better to work with. We had a beautiful cover on the first book and actually on all three in the series. I'm very pleased with the artwork that goes into them. And, and the whole process has been much better. Uh, and then the Jamie Richmond series is with Inkspell Publishing, which has been just an absolute delight to work with. Again, wonderful ownership, great editors and artists. I have a new book in that series that's coming out in late July. And I just, I've had so many great comments when they got the cover done and I've shared it with some friends and on social media. And it's very nice to see those kind of reactions. So, For sure. Did you have any issues with rights when you're switching over from your previous publishing company that kind of went out of business or in terms of getting the rights back or was it nice and easy? Um, it was relatively easy. Both houses, as they were going out of business, they notified all of the authors and sent us the necessary paperwork that we had to submit to just reclaim our rights so that any contracts that we had were officially closed. And then I was able to, when I found the two new houses, uh, Wild Rose Press and Inkspell, I was able to submit those previous books along with that letter saying that those yeah. rights reverted to me. There was no conflict to um, getting those published again. That's really good. It's, yeah. it's nice that, like, you know, at least they're honest and make it nice and straightforward 
for you in terms of getting the rights back. I've heard different stories about like difficulties with that with some other authors and things and especially since that you know with the rise of self-publishing like more and more small publishers are going out of business so I was just curious to see what your experience was there but that's that's really great that you had a good experience getting them back. Yes that was very good and I was very pleased that that went so smoothly and I hope that's not a process I have to repeat again, but if it yes. does, I know the steps I have to take. And and uh, I have shared that with some other authors, too, that have struggled or requested to get their rights back on their books to make sure that if they wanted to self-publish or if they wanted to take it to a different house, there was no uh, controversy there. Yeah. I was just curious what... Sounds like you've had quite varied experiences with your different publishers. So I was wondering what sort of criteria you were looking for when you submitted to your new publishers after your, you know, less than great experience with one of your um, initial publishing houses? When I was looking for uh, the second set of publishers, I was really looking for some that had a, a catalog of books that would be similar to the type that I write and, and to get a little more history both houses had been in business for a longer period of time than my original efforts. Mm -hmm. And my books seem to be a good fit because they are two completely different series. I wanted them to have, I wanted them to have their own homes so that if there was an issue and one suddenly imploded, okay, then I still had the other one safely working away. And then I could focus on trying to do that uh, and find a new home. But I just looked for the catalog that they had, and, and a couple of them I was able to reach out to authors that were currently with them mm -hmm. to get some feedback. You know, how were they to work with? Uh, and I was very fortunate to be able to get some, some good information on that so I could make a solid decision. That's really good. It's good to have that sort of background information before you make a decision, I guess, especially after you haven't gone through it once already. You're like, it's nice yes. to have that. Yes. And I would encourage somebody, if they're looking for a publishing house, look at the catalog of the authors that are there. And if there is something that you've read or you could try one of their books and see if it's a fit for or very similar to what you're writing. All of the authors that I am familiar with are fairly quick to respond to emails and say, you know, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, was this easy? Was this a struggle? Uh, and give, share that information. So that's good advice. I think, you know, to anyone who's looking at getting published with specific houses, because there is that thing of like, I feel like everyone wants to, you know, have their book published. So they'll dive in and sometimes not necessarily look at that kind of thing and look at the publishing house's reputation, but it is a two-way street and you want to be sure that they're also giving you good representation, you know, and doing justice to your book. So that's some good points. Thank you. Yes, I think that's that's very important because sadly I know a few people that have been taken advantage of by publishing companies that weren't exactly what they should have been doing for their authors and, you know, very little effort to market it or to help promote the book or, or even to edit or collaborate with the authors on their efforts. So. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad that it's worked out and you've got a couple of great publishing companies um, that you're working with now. It's awesome. We've mentioned them briefly, but did you want to tell us a bit more about your two series, the Jamie Richmond Mysteries and the Jefferson Shane Mysteries? Okay. Jamie Richmond is the ones that are part mystery, part romance. Uh, The character Jamie was originally an investigative reporter for one of the larger newspapers in the Detroit area. And after doing that for a dozen years or so, she decided to pursue her passion of writing mysteries. And every time she's working on a new book, she stumbles upon an actual crime. And Jamie is a very determined, very intelligent young lady who happens to be a very stubborn redhead. And I've had friends that say all redheads are stubborn. I'm I'm not going to argue that point, but it seems to be the case. But she's very good at putting together the pieces. I think a lot of that goes back to her time as an investigative reporter. And along the way, as she gets into these mysteries, she also starts a romantic relationship with a police officer whose name is Malone. And they have enjoyed a an ongoing relationship that seems to be working very well. He's a good buffer for some of her craziness and good one to bounce ideas off of. The other series is more along the lines, I think you would may refer to it as like a police procedural mystery. This is about a squad of detectives that works in a metro Detroit area. Now, Detroit is made up of over 6 million square miles, the metropolitan area, not just the city, and over 5 million people. And when I worked as a reporter, I had a crime beat for a little while, which was a fascinating trip. And I would go to police stations and I would interview the officers in charge of the reports. And I would see patterns in these little cities that were neighboring each other where a similar type of crime had happened in city A and then in city B and city C. And I asked them, you know, about this and they said, oh, no, 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 no. We we don't talk to each other about that. So that gave me the idea to create this squad of detectives that would have jurisdiction over this entire geographic area. So over six million square miles, over five million people. And this is the crew. The stories are told from the perspective of Jefferson Shane. And that name comes from an intersection near the downtown Detroit area. And the backstory for Shane is that he was abandoned at birth. And when the police came to take the baby into social services or whatnot, there was a clerical error. Instead of writing baby Johnny Doe, they wrote Jefferson Shane as the name of the child. And it stuck. So he was raised in an orphanage and always pursued his interest in mysteries and became a very good detective. And he leads this squad uh, that handle these major cases in the metro Detroit area. And, And I will say there is a little bit of overlap between the two, because since both series take place in that same geographic area, Mm -hmm. Jamie has a tendency to jump over and do a, like a cameo appearance in the Shane books. And I've done the same with him as well. So good characters. I can't, I can't get them to stay where they belong. They just want to keep back. (laughs) That's amazing. I like that. I totally understand characters that have a bit of a mind of their own. 
I like the fact that they're jumping like series though. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's not even like they're keeping to their own series. They're just like, hi, popping <laughs> up all over the show. <laughs> yes, they, they do seem to um, gravitate towards each other that way. And when I first did that with Jamie showing up in the second uh, Jefferson Shane book, I got to the point where I was thinking, well, I need to introduce a new character, somebody like a reporter or somebody that he could talk to that maybe would give him some information. I thought, well, you've got a reporter right here in Jamie. So I tried that. And, and I had so many people comment about that. Said, that was so cool. And then, of course, they want to go back and read Jamie's books. So I thought, OK, it's kind yeah, of like that's really smart. It's yeah. cross promotion. And, and it works. Mm. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really cool, and I think you know, fans of both series would just like, yeah, really enjoy the input from the other series to, and the crossover. I think that's really awesome. One of the challenges for me when I first started writing the Jamie series is I wrote it from her point of view, so it's written from her perspective, and so it's first person narration from Jamie's point of view, and the Shane books are first-person narration from his. And so I've had some people come up to me and say, no, okay, your name's on this, but who really wrote these Jamie books? Because I don't <laughs> believe a guy could write like this. I said, well, okay. Oh, that's a bit um, yeah. sexist, said, really. <laughs> I said, well, you got to try it and see, you know. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think if you can put yourself into different situations, you can write as anyone you like. And it is interesting, like, even though, you know, like, people have different experiences, that doesn't mean that just because you're a woman that you can't write a male's perspective or vice versa, or even as an older or younger person. I think it's it's interesting that, yeah, like, people <laughs> kind of get stuck in that, like, one viewpoint that you can get, you know, stuck, bleh, I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. I'm losing it. Today, <laughs> no, so. I, I, <laughs> I have to agree. I think some people feel that, you know, a man can only write things from a man's perspective or, or from a third person narration and a woman can only do the same. And, and I disagree because I think it's really, it goes back to the, the talent or the creativity of the author. Mm -hmm. those. Yeah. And sure. I, I don't want to put restrictions on anybody's efforts to try and write a good story. That's my key. I'm just trying to tell a good story. And if I can yeah. surprise you along the way with a few twists or a few ideas uh, or something that you did not see coming, that's part of the fun. I also do think that that's how we've almost gotten to where we are today, where like historically, you know, there was a lot of books about uh, white people and white males were mainly writing so that then you end up with that influence in the literary works. Um, and so I think it's important to actually consider other viewpoints other than your own. And I think, you know, it can really help other than your writing. <laughs> um, it's been proven oh. that like it, it can help your own perspective and compassion to like put yourself in those situations and put yourself outside of your own experience oh yeah. i absolutely agree i think that's a very good point just following on from the series you mentioned that you had a book that was releasing in july um do you want to tell us about that and any other projects that you have on the horizon sure 
The new book that's coming out in July will be the fifth book in the Jamie Richmond series. It's called Chasing Favors. And it begins with an old flame from a vacation, a sort of like a fling that Jamie had while she was on vacation a couple of years ago, who comes back into the picture. And he's going to be in town, just wants a little visit and not of a romantic nature, but he's got a favor he would really like her to help him with. And he remembers how inquisitive Jamie was, how sharp she was at doing figuring out puzzles and that. And so she kind of reluctantly, okay, agrees to this. Well, as what happens to many people, one favor leads to another, which leads to another. I had a friend that read this and she said, when you say favor, I'm thinking of kiss, like one kiss leads to another, to another. I said, well, with Jamie, that's possible, but that could be. (laughs) But... So she starts doing a favor for her friend, and that leads to another favor, and someone else is asking her for favors as well. And along the line, she stumbles upon something that catches her eye and makes her think that there's some criminal activity going on here that is outside of the realm of the favor that she was doing for her friend. But once something catches her eye, she cannot let it go until she figures out whether she's right or and if so then if there's misbehavior or crime going on she wants to put a stop to it so that's the newest book in that series and that will be coming out july 25th oh not too far away exciting no just just around the corner so i'm very excited about that and that's available for pre-order now on all of the usual sites like amazon and barnes and noble and apple books and that uh, I am working now on a, a crime novel, which is something a little different for me. There is a, a character that I introduced in the Jefferson Shane series who was a retired mobster or gangster, and he has a very unusual friendship with Shane. And uh, I had so many comments about this character. His name is Leo Agonasti. And oh. <laughs> he was, he wasn't like a, a hitman for the organized crime. He was sort of a, a background guy, but I had so many comments and some people would read this and say, Leo needs his own story. So I thought, you know, maybe I should try and write one with him as the main character. So I'm about 35,000 words into that and it's coming together quite well. And, and Leo is surprising me because I thought he was really a quiet guy before, but He's starting to wake up a little bit too. So <laughs> that sounds really like a really fun story. For some reason, I guess thinking about like that coast of the US soprano vibes come to mind. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm familiar with that. I'm not sure if it's gonna be along those lines so much, but Leo's gonna be a very interesting read when I get this a little further down the road. So sounds very fun to write and also probably very fun to read as well. Hopefully for yeah, you. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping it'll turn out to be just, just like that. A, a fun read and an enjoyable uh, adventure into a little different part of the Detroit history there. I was also just wondering if you have any other sort of like book launch events coming up for your, your fifth Jamie Richmond book that's coming out. Well, actually 
I am going to be doing a virtual launch party, and it will be, wow, three weeks from today. It'll be on July 22nd at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. It's going to be a Zoom event, and people can go to my website and find the panel for that and just register for that. We're going to be doing, uh, I'm going to read two or three scenes from the book. I'll take questions from the audience. And I have a dear friend that's going to be hosting it for me. So she'll be handling all the technology and all the questions. And then we're going to actually give away some prizes. Uh, Grand prize is going to be an autographed copy, print copy of the new book itself. But I'm really looking forward to that. And and it'll be just a couple days before it's officially live. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. So sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to that. I've got to sit down and in a quiet corner and figure out exactly which scenes that I want to read without giving away too much of the story. That's always exciting when you open up your book and you're like, okay, which part am I going to share? Yes, it's like, <laughs> hmm, what should Love I it. give? You know? <laughs> and fortunately, this time of year is always very busy. There's a lot of art festivals, which I will be participating in. I've got my own booth set up and I have a lot of people that will come by and visit and talk about books and hopefully sign a bunch of them you know sell a bunch of books and see how that goes so sounds like a busy summer ahead for you it is it is indeed so there was one more question that we wanted to ask you which we like to ask all of our authors on here about your biggest challenges in terms of bringing both these series to the world? Oh, my. I think my my two biggest challenges are editing and then marketing. I would love to get to the point where I've, I'm busy and successful enough with my books that I can hire somebody to do all of my promotion and marketing for me and just tell me, you need to be here and here and here at these different events. And oh, but they're so doing nice. all of the all of the social media and all of the postings and all that, because that is such a vital part of sharing your work. I mean, you can have the greatest story in the world done, but if people aren't aware of it, and there's so many authors out there, so many different stories mm-hmm. to read. It's, it's like there was an old cartoon. I remember my uh, creative writing professor had taped to the wall. It was so many books, so little time. And <laughs> yes. you just want to read them all, you know, and it's, it's, it's a challenge. The other part that I struggle with sometimes is editing because I always like to make sure in my mind, before I submit the manuscript to the publishers, that's as clean and as crisp as it can be. And invariably we'll go through it it, once it's accepted, we'll go through it a number of times to get it as sharp as possible. And, and, you know, I get to the point where it's frustrating because I've read the thing so many times. I mean, I wrote it and then I'm reading it again and I'm reading it again and I'm reading it again. But then like the example I gave you before about where Shane walks up to a house and it's got shutters as opposed to shutters, um, you know, you look at that and you go, how could I miss that? I mean, I felt stupid because I wrote it in the first place, but then I missed it three or four times going through the edits until I finally caught it. And then I'm like, why didn't you guys pick up on that? Well, it's a process. No, this makes yeah. me wonder what else is hidden in there that I've missed. Yes. Um, 
there there have been a few where you look at that and you go, really? Uh, sometimes I'll pick up something that I wrote a couple of years ago and I'll be reading it to look for a scene that I want to use. And I'll go, wow, this part's really good. And then I'll go to the next part and I'll go, oh man, what did you do? You know, you stumbled here. <laughs> You find an error in it, you go, oh my gosh, how did that happen? And get through all those levels and still have that mistake in there. Well, nobody if it's any, any help, um, I tell some writers that when I was reading, I was reading a Stephen King novel at some point, and it's, I can't remember which one it was, very well-known one, lengthy as all his books are, but... <laughs> Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I found a, I think I found a couple of spelling errors in that one. And I was like, you know, how many reprints of this book has there been? (laughs) And how many public, how many editors have combed over his work, including himself? So if he can have the odd error, then I'm sure like it's, it's fine. I think it happens to everyone. It's just when you see them, it's like they jump off the page at you. And it's like the book wants to smack you and say, hey, what did you do? What were you thinking? Oh, well. Yes, I I definitely have. Especially once it's published, you're just like, oh. Yes. I'm not going to go back and and say, I misspelled this word. Can you fix it now after, you know, X number of copies have been printed? No, we're going to leave it alone. So. Just one more final question before we sure. wrap this up is, um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we haven't covered or any advice that you would like to give to other writers out there? Well, as far as advice, the best thing I can say is just write. There's plenty of time to go back later and make it perfect or as close to perfect as you can get it and make it pretty. But it. If you're trying to make every page perfect from the very beginning, you'll drive yourself crazy. Write the story or write the poem, whatever it is that you're working on. And then after you've got it down, step away from it for a little bit. And then you can come back and look at it and say, okay, now let's polish it. Let's get it to where it flows better. And and as Stephen King would say, now it's time to kill all your darlings. You know, (laughs) many of us will think every word that we write is perfect from the very beginning. That's why we wrote it. But there's a time to edit and there's a time to write. So in the beginning, just write, baby. Just write. I like that advice. Just write. I feel like it's advice I need to take on at the moment. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) I feel like I go through phases where sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just going to write it. It'll be fine. And then other times I'm like, no. I feel like I have to put it, like, get it all perfect from the beginning. So uh, yeah. it's a good reminder. So thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> okay. So where can people find your books? And also how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to reach out? Um, my books are available on Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo, Barnes & Nobles. And I'm on all the social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my website is authormarklove.weebly.com. And you can send me an email at motownmysteries at gmail.com. Amazing. Uh, Love that. Since all my, almost all my stories take place in Detroit and it's known as Motown and a, just seemed like a natural fit. Motown Mysteries. 
Um, and what is your Instagram handle? If people uh, it's also you? Motown Mysteries for Instagram and Twitter. And I have a, I'm on Facebook. I think it's Author Mark Love on Facebook. Excellent. So thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the show. I feel like we had a really interesting conversation about publishing uh, and also about your mystery novels and the journey that they have been on from, you know, when you first started writing them to where they are today. So thanks very much for coming on the show. Well, it's been my pleasure. I'd like to thank you both, Ashley and Sarah. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, whatever time frame you're in. So. <laughs> Well, yes, thank you very much. And thank you for being on the show with us. Oh, my pleasure. So if you'd like to be on an author spotlight section, like Mark just has been, you can head on over to our website, lindersoncreations.com, hover your mouse over the podcast tab, and you'll find a link to be featured on Dear Writer. And next time on Dear Writer, we have another one of our craft episodes with the topic still to be determined. So um, keep an eye out for that. And if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, you can visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Linderson Creations. And if you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, tell your friends about us and we'll be back in two weeks' time. So happy writing, everyone.